Good evening. Welcome back to another episode of Please Call Me Crazy, brought to you by Free People Radio and powered by our favorite sponsor, TireGit.com. That's TireGit.com. You have to buy tires from somebody, you might as well buy them from us. Help fund the movement, help support the movement. We believe in the freedom of movement, and that's exactly what the establishment wants to take from you now. I'm your host, Royce White. I'm here in the belly of the beast, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Welcome back. Welcome back. Uh, it's Monday. Wednesday, we will have our news show. And I got a bunch of clips and videos and, and news uh, headlines and things that I want to share that I think will, will uh, be good, good information to have. Uh, today, I just want to talk a little bit, um, about an hour, hour and 15, maybe, something like that. Who knows? Sometimes I get rolling and I can't, I can't help myself. But... First off, I want to do a little housekeeping. <clears throat> I know or we're aware that the uh, the audio platforms, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, Google Play, and iHeartRadio are all not updating the podcast. Our podcast distributor, uh, Podbean, some of you may even listen to the podcast on Podbean. Our podcast distributor has, ins- uh, has reassured us that they're working on the problem is some type of technical glitch and in, in the automation of, of our channel or our um, account. So they say, I gave them a pretty stern message today that it's been almost 17 days now and we haven't been, been uh, updated consistently on what's going on uh, with, with the account, uh, with our account. Uh, and, and obviously the problem hasn't been resolved. So, um, we're going to start to look for other means of distribution if they can't if they can't give us better communication on what's take what what what's taking place uh, around uh, the audio platforms. <clears throat> now it would suck to have to you know switch distributors because all of our metrics and stats and you know so on and so forth uh, are are from this one account. So we'll see what happens there. Look. As far as listening goes, there's a lot of places that you can listen and watch the podcast. You can watch here on YouTube. You can watch on Rumble. You can watch on X a lot of times if the episode is under two hours. Uh, I run the episodes on my on my X account. Um, you can also watch the podcast on War Room's Getter page live. Uh, and then you can obviously watch the, the episode back on War Room's Getter page as well as War Room's Rumble page. So we got a lot of places that we're, we're streaming the podcast. Um, I got to start updating my, 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 my podcast on Bandot Video again. I'm not sure if we've been doing that as of late, uh, but we definitely got to start, start doing that again um, so that we get backed up on Bandot Video and you can watch the podcast there as well. And I may even talk to Alex about maybe streaming the podcast in the midnight hour um, over on, on InfoWars and on Bandot Video. <clears throat> so a lot of places you can still watch and listen to the podcast. Don't be discouraged. We'll get the audio up and running. Uh, if you, if you only listen to the podcast on the audio platform, we really apologize. And you probably won't even be hearing this because this won't be up on the audio platform for a while. Uh, but some of you have the wherewithal to go back and forth. We see on YouTube, a lot of you saying and giving us the feedback uh, regarding the audio platform. So we know there's a lot of crossover. And, and if you're uh, somebody who likes to listen to the podcast on the audio platform, uh, doing whatever it is that you're doing, uh, we apologize for the inconvenience. 
Uh, with that being said, the Royce White Show, uh, the Royce White Radio Show, is premiering on Monday through Friday on the John Fredericks Radio Network at 9 p.m. Eastern. That's every Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern. And the Royce White Show, now two weekends in on Real America's Voice at 9 a.m. Eastern to lead off for the War Room <clears throat> with Steve Bannon. Sorry, got a little bit of uh, allergies going. <clears throat> so, a lot of places to get the content, more content coming. We really appreciate John Fredericks and, and the John Fredericks Radio Network for hosting the radio show. I'm having a lot of fun with that. Uh, we're about this close to having all of the initial episodes of the radio show up uh, on the Royce White USA YouTube channel for you to listen back to. And then we'll start to have them every morning, uh, the morning after the radio show. So you can go back and listen to yesterday's episode, the morning before the next episode airs or premieres that night. Um, so that's the way we'll, we'll structure that. Uh, and you'll also be able to go back and listen to the Royce White show from the weekend on Real America's Voice on the Royce White USA YouTube channel. We plan to have all the Royce White show on one podcast channel on all the audio platforms when we can resolve the issue with Podbean because we can't resolve the issue with Podbean. We were reluctant to start a new channel uh, given that we have all this new content that we want you to be able to listen to on the audio platforms. Um, so once we get that resolved, you'll be able to listen to the Royce White radio show and the Royce White show on Real America's Voice on one new podcast channel. And you can download and subscribe to both of them on, on your uh, your preferred platforms. So that's the housekeeping. Um, <clears throat> today, I want to talk about Amy Klobuchar to start. Over the weekend, Amy Klobuchar had a, a, a political blunder go viral um, that has created quite the groundswell of, of support for my candidacy in, in this year's uh, Minnesota United States Senate election. And uh, we appreciate everybody who sent and forwarded the, the clip of the video and, and you know, the quote of, of what she said and, and uh, has given their support or vowed their support. We've gotten a lot of support from Republicans, Democrats, Libertarians, conservatives, the list goes on and on. So uh, a lot of people are upset with Amy Klobuchar, as they are with the entire Democrat Party. And, and a lot of it has to do with the border. A lot of it has to do with this, these, these, you know, these illegal immigrants and, and um, you know, the, the crisis that's now made its way to many of the inner cities, but, but many respective cities all across the country. Uh, and I'm going to talk about that in, uh, in a little bit as well, but... <clears throat> Amy Klobuchar over the weekend uh, had a clip go viral where she effectively made the claim that Joe Biden is not suffering from any cognitive decline. Now, if you remember about three weeks back, I, I mentioned uh, or I think I even showed the clip where Joe Biden said uh, in, in uh, I don't know, it was a rally or a speech he gave. Here in the greater Midwest area, I'm not sure exactly where he was. I believe he was in Wisconsin, if I'm not mistaken. But he said that the, the Wisconsin senators and the two senators from Minnesota, uh, you know, are uh, essentially a safeguard for him. And as long as he has their support, he has nothing to worry about. This is what he said in a public speech. He was making some reference to the, the beer that was crafted. I think it was in Wisconsin. You know, they do beer and cheese well in Wisconsin. We all in the Midwest know, know, know about that. Um, 
and and they do. Wisconsin cheese is is great cheese. But anyway, um, Joe Biden said, you know, as long as I got the Wisconsin senator, there's a woman in, who's the senator of Wisconsin, and Amy Klobuchar and Tina uh, Smith, then then I have nothing to worry about. Well, three weeks later, becomes clear what he meant. He he hosts Amy Klobuchar on Air Force One in a flyover from Wisconsin, D.C. or Minnesota, wherever they were going or headed, coming from. Not really sure. Not not privy to the itinerary, although you could check the Federal Register and, and find the president's itinerary if you're ever curious as to what, what he's doing on a daily basis. But um, Amy Klobuchar said she was on Air Force One with Joe Biden, and she had a conversation, a long conversation with him, and his, his recall was fine. And he, he showed no signs of cognitive decline, and she believes that his, his mental state is, is clear and healthy. <clears throat> I, I don't know. I, <laughs> before I go any further on, on that, that statement, which is so dishonest. I mean, it's almost, it's, it's almost unbelievable if we didn't, you know, if, if we were new to the, to the, the people we're talking about, if we were brand new, if we had never seen these people, if we had never dealt with American politics, if we had never lived in this country before, if we didn't know exactly who we were dealing with, this type of statement would, would shock us. It'd, it'd be almost unbelievable. Don't believe your lying eyes is what Amy Klobuchar is essentially saying to the American people. Don't fret. Everything's under control. Don't believe your lying eyes. Joe Biden's fine. His mental, his mental clarity is as, as sharp as ever. I think she actually used that, that, that wording, that, that he's as, as sharp as he's ever been. And we all know that's a lie. But let's, let's talk about something before we even delve into that. The real question is not why Amy Klobuchar would get up on uh, a public platform, come before the American people and lie through her teeth, bold-faced lie, right out there in the open. The question is not why Amy Klobuchar would lie. The question is why so many Minnesota Republicans vote for her. And see, I'm, I'm not just saying this to because I'm personally invested or interested in the, the outcome of the, the Senate election here in Minnesota. Obviously, I am interested and involved in the outcome of the, uh, the the Senate election here in Minnesota. But if I wasn't, I would ask the same question. And it is a pertinent question. I mean, it is the question of the day. Why is it the question of the day? Because we have to get beyond this Republican-Democrat framework, this, this Republican-Democrat two-party dichotomy worldview. We have to get beyond that, and there's not a better example, I think, for this week than Amy Klobuchar. Amy Klobuchar is revered in the state of Minnesota as a very, very good politician, one of the best politicians in Washington, D.C., unbeatable, some of the Republicans say. Don't even run against her. All of the Republicans who ran in the 2020, in the 2022 midterms, whether it was for governor or it was uh, attorney, uh, I mean, not attorney general. Well, attorney general as well, um, uh, secretary of state, uh, some of the congressional uh, candidates. Uh, the list goes on and on and on. No matter who it was, all of them turned down, turned down the party, I believe, or, or party uh, uh, higher ups turned down running against Amy Klobuchar because they don't believe she can be beaten. 
which is mind-boggling because everybody who comes up to me out there in the public when I'm here in Minnesota talks about how terrible they think she is. I mean, that's the consensus. And it's a consensus with, with a certain level of, of, uh, of, of, of emotional fervor, right? People aren't just passively like, ah, we don't really like Amy Klobuchar. Or, ah, she's not that good. They're like, oh, there's Royce. Royce, I don't like Amy Klobuchar. She's terrible, right? So they, they, they're, they're, they feel strongly enough about it to spark random conversation in, in public. And that, that, that says something. Now, can people be full of shit? Of course, that's, that goes without saying. People can come up to you and say they don't like Amy Klobuchar and then turn right around and, and vote for her or campaign for her or make phone calls or donate to her. That's possible. But I tend to believe them because even if I wasn't involved in the race and I was just watching, Amy Klobuchar resembles Nikki Haley in, in, in a very obvious way. They both seem strikingly disingenuous and inauthentic. I mean, even Nikki Haley doesn't have, and let's be clear, if Nikki Haley was on the Democrat side, which she could easily be, I mean, Nikki Haley is the type of turncoat politician that could easily be a Democrat. In fact, you may look up in the very near future and Nikki Haley, the Nikki Haley's of the world, will use Donald Trump and MAGA as an excuse, justification to go to the Democrat side of the aisle. Which wouldn't, you know, which doesn't really, doesn't really move me. Fine. Go go caucus with the Democrats. I tell Republican voters, go caucus with the fucking Democrats. We need new Republicans. Why do we need new Republicans? Why do I continue to to get down and harp on the conservative movement or Republican voters or 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 or, or the, the, the conservative uh, American movement? Why? Because in some strange twist of 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 fate. Republican voters in Minnesota love Amy Klobuchar. I mean, there is a significant cohort of Republican voters in this country, in this state, in the state of Minnesota, that like Amy Klobuchar. They believe in Amy Klobuchar. They voted for Amy Klobuchar. And that's not a theory or conjecture. All you have to do is go and look at how she performed in certain districts and areas in the state where Republicans held those areas in past elections and in elections since. But when Amy ran, they ended up being blue. Now, you could say, well, maybe they're cheating, and maybe they are. In fact, it wouldn't be beyond me at all to find out that they were cheating or to find out that Amy Klobuchar's appeal is really more uh, manufactured than it is real. However, <laughs> even if that's the case, even if the, the vast majority of, of, of your average everyday Minnesota Residents don't have some profound approval, liking of Amy Klobuchar. The political elites do, and the political elites do from both parties. And and where I know that there is a genuine liking for Amy Klobuchar is from listening to certain Republican Party officers talk about her. I've heard, I've heard, and heard of people in the Republican Party saying it would be a shame. If somebody ran against Amy Klobuchar, that's how good she is for the state of Minnesota. <clears throat> now, maybe I don't have a, a good enough understanding of, of how politics work. But no, no person that would would 
lie with a straight face before the American people about the, the overall cognitive health of, of the president, the commander in chief, especially on the brink of, of a world war, is somebody we should think of as a, a good politician, a good representative of the people. You all tell me. Maybe I'm off. Maybe maybe there's some sort of uh, value to having a politician that lies through her teeth. It's possible. I'm not saying it's not possible. I mean, maybe there's some greater, maybe there's some greater uh, job of being a politician that I just don't see that requires you to be a liar. Or, or maybe we've just accepted the status quo that in order to make it to Washington, D.C., you have to have a sort of a sort of knowledge of how to play this dishonest, dishonest game with the constituents and the voters and the media and the donors and the special interest groups and the lobbyists and the, the military industrial complex and contractors. Maybe, maybe we've just accepted that there's a level of corruption in politics today. One must be able to, to connect with one must be able to, to navigate and resonate with. And if we think that, if we really believe that, if we believe that here in Minnesota in in the Republican party, even that's exactly why the country is going up in flames. And the country will continue to go up in flames as, as long as we don't have the fucking balls, as long as we don't have the testicular fortitude for all of those out there who don't like such crass language, as long as we lack the testicular fortitude to reshape, reimagine, redefine the status quo of our American political culture, America will continue to go up in flames. I can't tell you how many people told me don't run against Amy Klobuchar. She she can't be beat. She can't be beat. She can't be beat. They call her from the from the from the dugout. They call her to pinch hit for the Democrat Party and shill and say that Joe Biden has has no cognitive decline. My fucking 10-year-old daughter could see that Joe Biden has that. If I had a three-year-old, my three-year-old would be able to see that Joe Biden has cognitive decline. Is that what's wrong with what's wrong with grandpa? What's what's wrong with what's wrong with Joe there? You know, he's he's you know, he's not right. He's not stable. He's not sharp. He's falling asleep at the United Nations. The man fell asleep at the World Summit. Fell asleep. Now, I get it. When you're 78, when you're 79, when you're 80, when you're 75, people take naps. I get it. You're tired. Life has been long. I get it. 75 years on the earth is a long time. Hell, I get tired now and need a nap sometimes in the middle of the day, and I'm only 32. Mostly because I spend most of my morning on the phone cussing people out, trying to figure out how the fuck we got to the place we are. And I can't tell you the amount of ignorance and the lack of common sense I encounter on a daily basis, the shit is tiring. That's not Joe's fatigue. Joe's fatigue is from being a part of the corruption in D.C., in the swamp, with the Uniparty. For his entire adult life, he's tired because the corruption is heavy because lies weigh heavy on the soul. Of course he's tired. Of course when you, and I said this earlier in the podcast, but I'll say it again. When you live a life full of lies, when lies are the anchor to your purpose on a daily basis, 
I'm not saying you can't lie. People will lie. Men lie. Women lie. Numbers lie, too, when it's Dr. Fauci and some other agencies we'll talk about later on, hopefully without getting the, the episode uh, taken down for medical misinformation. But Dr. Fauci's a fucking liar. I think we can say that now on YouTube without being considered misinformation because, I mean, hell, the man testified before the United States Congress and, and, and all but confessed that he wasn't telling the truth. Six months ago, you couldn't say that or else you'd be shadow banned or banned or suspended or, you know, whatever, canceled, censored. Well, now we can say that, okay, men lie, women lie, numbers lie when in certain cases. Numbers lie in certain cases. What I'm saying is people are going to lie. But when your identity is anchored by lies, when lies are the, the, defining, the defining characteristic of your identity, which many of these American politicians have created for themselves, an identity anchored by lies. When that's the case, oh, your soul is going to crumble over time. But not only not only your soul, your cognitive, uh, you know, your your cognition. See, people think that the human brain and and that the the me the, the the mechanisms of the human body are separate from the soul, and thus separate from lies. See, people actually think they can live a, a life of lies their entire and, and and not experience any type of 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 uh, of break. Some people can. Some people can live a hundred years, lying their way through the entire time, and 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 you know, function pretty well. But some people are going to lose their shit. Some people can't take it. Their psyche can't take it, and Satan knows that. Satan knows that some people are going to be effective at lying. They're going to be pretty good at lying. They'll be able to handle it, and their soul will have to have to reap the 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 uh, the ramifications, consequences in the afterlife. But he also knows that some of you, for some people out there, the lies are going to break you in this life, and in the twilight of your life, you will live in suffering. Now, some people get dementia, and they're very good people. I get it. Joe Biden, not one of them. Do I feel sorry for him? Not in the least bit. I feel sorry for old people in general who encounter, uh, you know, organic brain disease and cognitive decline. Absolutely. I mean, there are people. I had a, I had a cousin die from from Lou Gehrig's. He was in his forties, fifties. Sad thing to see. You know, Muhammad Ali died of Parkinson's. These are all sort of neurological and and and, and you know nerve nerve, uh, central nervous system diseases. Sad to see, tough to see. Hard to watch somebody go that way, especially well before their time. Joe Biden, I don't feel the same, same type of empathy for. And I definitely don't feel enough empathy to just lie to the American people about what's going on. I mean, even if, even if you feel bad for him, how can he get the proper care? How can he live the, the remainder of his life how can he relive the remainder of his life with a bunch of people around him using him for political expediency and not acknowledging the, the, the real state of health that he's in? It, it's almost like they have him captured, like he's, like he's a captive. 
Honestly, if I feel bad for anything, it's that. Because honestly, it looks like he's a captive. He's a political captive. He's been captured by the political apparatus there in Washington, D.C. and the powers that be in this country. And whoever it is that has a hold of him, they don't want to let him go. And everybody says, oh, well, you know, we, we'd rather run against Joe Biden. We, we want Joe Biden to stand. We'd rather run against Joe Biden because Joe Biden's the easier opponent. Athletes don't think like that. I'm sorry. And again, again, when I came into politics, I ran against Ilhan Omar. At least I tried to. The Republican establishment here in Minnesota didn't want any parts of a real face-off and throwdown between me and Ilhan because they make money. They raise money off of Ilhan Omar. And people all across the country from the Republican Party raised money off Ilhan Omar. They didn't want a real throwdown between me and Ilhan. They didn't want Ilhan to be unseated. They can say what they want. They can call her anti-Semitic. They can say that she's working for Somalia's national interest and not America's. They can say that she's not smart. They can say whatever they want. But the truth is, a good portion of them like her in the Congress so they can raise money off of her and they can create propaganda and fear porn and headlines and they can sell traffic and, and talking about her. I don't really want to talk about her. She's a fucking sellout. Not only is she a sellout to the American people and the citizenship that she so, so arrogantly and, and un, unappreciatively covets, she's a fucking sellout to her own people. She's a sellout to her own people coming out wearing the hijab, and, and she's an LGBTQ advocate, and not only an LGBTQ advocate, I mean, that's putting it mildly. She's an LGBTQ acolyte, and that's way different. Way, way different. She's an acolyte of the LGBTQ agenda, not the people or the movement to have basic rights. She is an acolyte of the LGBTQ agenda. Okay. Ain't nothing Muslim about that. But that's something for her to deal with with the, with the Muslims. If, they, if, the, if the new Muslims coming from Somalia, I saw Laura, Laura Loomer uh, went down to the, to the border and, and she interviewed a couple of, of people that were coming from Somalia. And, and one of the young men said that, she, that he liked Ilhan Omar or that he aspired to be like Ilhan Omar. Hey, if that's the case, you know, he's probably a sellout too. He's probably ready to throw on, you know, the, the, the thobs and, the, and, the, and the, the Islamic regalia and, and ready to, to give over to the LGBTQ for some, some uh, professional or political speed expediency too. But I know that the, the Somalis that I talk to here in the city of Minneapolis, in the state of Minnesota, unanimously say they don't like Ilhan Omar. You can go watch the video where Ilhan Omar stood up on stage before a Somali crowd, and they booed her. They booed her in an election year. And back to my point, I tried to run against Ilhan Omar, and now I'm running against Amy Klobuchar, two politicians who the, the conventional political higher-ups and consultants and 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 uh, what do you want to call it? experts uh, in our country say are unbeatable because that's how athletes think. We don't give a shit about who we're supposed to be able to beat. This person looks good on paper. I tell my, I told my sixth graders last year, I coached a sixth grade AU team. And, uh, and obviously I'm, I'm, I'm an, ad, I'm an advanced mind of, of of basketball if you know anything about my basketball career I wasn't just athletic and talented and skilled although I were I was those things being 6'8 270 and moving like a guard a very fast guard at that is 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 unique by unique standards 
physically I'm I'm a unicorn of of an athlete. How but there are a lot of unicorn athletes out there at that level. I won't say a lot. That that'd probably be overstating it. There are there are a good number of unicorn athletes at the professional level, all across uh every every professional sport. My game specifically was IQ. I knew the game and and I tell people all the time and and I'll say this here again for any athletes, young athletes who may be watching, the two greatest skills you can have in basketball, the two greatest skills you can have in any team sport and in many ways any competitive sport where you have an opponent, any contact sport, let's say that. The two greatest skills are vision and anticipation. Can I see can I anticipate what's going to happen before it happens? We're just talking about that today in the high school practice with the team. You have to be able to anticipate what will happen next. You have to predict what will happen next. This is what a great boxer does. This is what made Floyd Mayweather great. This is what made Muhammad Ali great. But even Floyd Mayweather, he built himself a defense where, you know, in the Philly shell, he understood where he was vulnerable or where his opponent would think he was vulnerable and where he had to defend and where he had to move or maybe he had to shell up or maybe he had to roll or maybe he had to just take a punch sometimes. But he knew just to take how, just take enough off of that punch so it wasn't devastating. It didn't inflict a, a, a lot of damage. But it's anticipation. That was a skill that I had. That was a skill I have. It's why I'm able to, 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 understand things that are going to take place before they take place because I can I can calculate. I was always a good chess player. Even as a young kid, I played chess with the adults. I was very, very good. You have to be able to compute things in the future. And my point in saying that is, again, to go back to my, I was a high IQ player. So when I, when I coached the young men, I don't coach them based on you got to score a lot of points or you got to be able to do certain dribble moves or or you yes you have to be able to do that no doubt but I'm more concerned with do you understand the the universal language of basketball as a team concept as a team game and that's how it was taught to me and that's part of the reason I became good because the lexicon the language that I was taught was universal because it was given to me by coaches who had been at that level who had been at that high collegiate level, who had been at that high high school All-American camp uh, skill instructor level, who had won multiple, multiple state high school championships, who had, who had trained professional athletes, who had been at professional practices, who had met the Coach K's and the Bobby Knights and the Tom Izzo's. And I was able to meet those people as a recruit coming up through high school. I was recruited by those people coming up through high school. So I was fortunate. I'm saying when I go back to coach the young people, I teach them the concept of basketball as a philosophy. And what I told them was if you buy in, if you understand the concept, we will be able to compete with teams who are much more talented, who are much bigger, who are much faster, who are much stronger on paper. Because basketball is not a game that is easily won in a solo fashion. It's just not. And all through the summer, seldom did we get, we lost some games. We won more than we lost. But seldom did we get blown out. 
And I'm talking about, you know, at the seventh grade, that this, this was sixth grade then, at the sixth grade level, kids' bodies are completely different from one another. I mean, you have some kids who haven't even hit puberty yet. You have some kids who are as tall as they're ever going to be. You have some kids who are just giants, even by adult standards. I mean, we played against a kid last year in, in Dallas, Texas in a tournament who was 6'6", and he was dunking the ball. He was in the sixth grade, or they said he was in the sixth grade. Maybe he was a little older in the sixth grade. Maybe he wasn't in the sixth grade, but he was in junior high, I would venture to guess. And he was dunking the basketball in warm-ups. And I remember we were in warm-ups, and he went to go dunk the ball, and, and my team was on the court warming up, and they all looked, and their eyes were huge, like they had seen a, a – you know, like they had seen Bigfoot or, or, or you know, they had seen a mermaid or, or some extraterrestrial creature. And I just, I just called them in and I said, are, are you guys serious? You're worried because he can dunk a ball? What does that matter? His size doesn't matter. His size does not matter if you're willing to play hard and help each other. And that team beat us by five points. Now imagine, there's not a kid on my sixth grade team or who was on my sixth grade team who could dunk then or can even dunk now. They're still not dunking. It's a whole year later, almost, and almost starting another summer. None of them can dunk now. There's not a kid on my team that could even think about actually dunking a basketball, let alone dunking a basketball in a game. That team beat us by five points. And on top of having a kid who could dunk who was actually about 6'6", six, six, I'm 6'8", six, the kid was two inches shorter than me in the sixth grade. They had probably the best guard with the best floor game we had seen all summer. I mean, the kid was advanced. His movement was advanced. His anticipation was advanced. His ball handling and his confidence was advanced. And they beat us by five points. Why am, I, why am I spending time telling you that? The whole point of the story is when you're an athlete, when you're a high-level athlete, you want the best competition. You don't let somebody tell you who can beat you on paper. That's why the game is played. That's why the races are run. I don't give a fuck what somebody thinks about how unbeatable Amy Klobuchar is. If she's unbeatable then the referendum on the American people has been answered, and we need those answers. We don't need to run from those answers. We don't need to hide from those answers. We don't need to tap dance around those answers. We need those answers full scope. When you put a candidate who's as genuine, who's as honest, who's as straight shooting, who's as America first as I am versus a, versus a, a, a candidate like Amy Klobuchar who's as disingenuous, inauthentic, willing to lie, and tied in with the political elites who have been fucking you this whole time, when you get those two candidates next to each other and the American people choose or select for an Amy Klobuchar, we have a lot of the answers we need about why the country is exactly where it is. Wouldn't you say? I'd feel free to, to in the comments. You tell me. See, we all like to blame somebody else, and it's the same way in sports. Sports taught me so much in life. I'm so thankful, but I'm thankful because I came up around coaches and, and, and basketball in a way that, that, that gave me that insight of how sports shows you a lot about life. I'm teaching my son that now. I'm teaching him. I was just with my son in the gym this morning. I had him jumping rope. And this morning, and in general, he has you know, trouble focusing. Now, they said he, had, he says he has dyslexia. Okay, whether you do or not, nobody cares. Okay, and that's what I tell him. I tell all the kids the same thing. 
when push comes to shove, if you have a goal, if you have something you want to do in life, if you have somewhere you want to go, something that you see for yourself, nobody cares about your excuses. And that's the truth. Nobody cares. When push comes to shove, now people will say that they care. People like Amy Klobuchar, they'll tell you they care. But seldom will they sacrifice something to show you how much they care. Seldom will they sacrifice their own time, their own money, their own energy, their own convenience to show you that they care. And so you're on your own in a lot of ways. Now, when you play a team game, the fun thing about a team game is we've all we've all committed to a, a, a certain a certain time, a certain place, a certain a certain season where where we are forcing ourselves to work together. And there's beauty in that because when human beings work together, we can achieve great things. And sports does that. Sports puts us in a in a in a sort of forced, committed relationship with other people to try and achieve one goal. And some teams wins and some teams don't, but most teams learn to at least play as a team. I'm sorry. Many teams learn to play as a team, not most teams. The teams that don't, they're usually not that very good, and there's usually more teams that aren't that, very, that, that, aren't that good versus teams that are that good, and the margin is small. I digress. I was in the gym this morning with my son, and, and he wasn't, you know, it's early in the morning, 8 o'clock in the morning. It's President's Day. The team had pitchers. They had pitcher day to day, as a you know for the for the program. So it's eight o'clock in the morning, and uh, if you have a kid who who has trouble focusing or he's kind of you know uh, slow to the to the beat, um, early mornings are always rough for those those kids, uh, and a lot of kids are these days. I just see a, I see a lot of kids. I work with a lot of kids. There's a general problem with attention span. And, and today's youth in general. Uh, and so as, as adults, as the older generation, we have to constantly try and, and, uh, and, and support and, and help them uh, with that, not by pacifying it and allowing it and, and, and kind of, you know, massaging it. No, we have to redirect them and, and stress them the importance of being able to focus on, on something intently. Um, but anyway, it's it's eight o'clock in the morning, and, and my son he just he he just wasn't on beat. He wasn't he wasn't getting he wasn't he wasn't focused enough on on actually getting something out of it. In order to get something out of of anything, there has to be a level of focus. You almost have to be a little bit obsessive, not to the point where you're a danger to yourself or someone else, but obsessive to the point where you're right on the brink of of this may be too much even for me to handle, but I'm going to force myself to lock in anyway. You know, these are the Kobe, when they talk about the Mamba mentality, the Kobe Bryant mentality, he was obsessive. He was obsessive about getting his, his game to a level in comparison to everyone else that was almost, uh, you know, that was hard to, hard to beat. He was obsessed with winning. And so my son wasn't, wasn't doing that, and I just had him run. And it was the littlest thing. It was up, you know, you got the look on the fa- on the face like, poor me. Poor me, it's early in the morning. I don't really want to be doing this. Just go ahead and take off and run. And then he come back and he's kind of slow to the, he's kind of moving that up, just take off and run again. And by the end of the workout, I mean, by the, by the time we had left the gym, he was firing on all cylinders. And it was the, the it was the, uh, the, 
it was the consequence. It was it was the knowledge of the consequence and, and the 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 realization that I'd it's it's going to be more fun. It's going to be a better use of my time. It's gonna it's gonna feel better if I just start doing it. Because one, just to just to do something physically repetitively in in, in the right way uh, feels good for the human body. It gives you endorphins. So there's actually a, a scientific and there's actually a scientific and and chemist chemical there's actually a scientific and chemical explanation for why doing it consistently the right way is going to feel better than when you put the look on your face like poor me I'm the victim of having to do this but see when you're 12 you don't even know that I mean you don't even know that place is out there for you where you find that what they call the the um the zone or they call the the flow state you don't even know that the flow state is out there for you where where you're intense, you're focused, you're going hard, you're you're giving a lot of energy, but you've gotten yourself into such a a, a, a zone, a, a, a state of flow that you really don't feel like you're working that hard anymore because your body's just going. Kids don't know that's out there for them. And I and and I feel bad for all of the people out there in the world that have never experienced that flow state, that that sort of physical, uh, that that physical uh, spatial uh, kinetic genius, you know that that many martial artists or or basketball players or or quarterbacks, football players or pitchers or or people who have that that consistent, repetitive, uh, sort of sort of uh, state of play or, or state of of motion. Dancers, singers, uh, musicians, and you know other people of the sort. Public speakers. There are public speakers who get into that flow state, uh, you know, and are able to do that. There's great public speakers and motivational speakers. I'm sure they experience some of the same thing. But anyway, I digress. Point is, I had to get on my son and tell him, "Look, you just gotta go. There are no excuses. There are no excuses when you want to be when you want to be great when you want to do something great." And my point is, in connection to us in, in American politics, is why do we think that anything is going to, anything good, anything meaningful, anything that will last is going to come from trying to, you know, dance our way around the, the reality here? The reality is we need to do a much better job ministering the positions that we all know to be right and common sense. We have to do a much better job ministering the gospel. We have to do a much better job ministering what, what American citizenship is and the value of it. We have to do a much better job in, in demonstrating the hypocrisy of the Democrat Party and all of these other globalist uh, puppet politicians like Amy Klobuchar. We have to do a much better job. And it's not just going online and saying, hey, look, these people are stupid. Although that's true, they are stupid. But it's demonstrating in a, in a fundamental way how the things they're saying don't add up with the things they promote or the things they promise. And that's where the conservative movement has fallen short. And partly because the conservative movement doesn't actually want to fulfill the promises that the Democrats have failed to. That's not an M.O. of our movement. Our, our M.O. isn't. This is the reparations argument. And, and I know as soon as you say it, people's and that's a sign that you've been propagandized. You're already paying reparations. 
I don't you can call it what you want. You can call it welfare. You can call it social programs. You can call it uh, a black bag, a political slush fund for illegal immigrants and changing the electorate. You can call it what you want. You can call it aid for Israel. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't provide any aid for Israel. But what I'm saying is there is a political movement happening globally that has taken the, the, the misfortune and history of certain groups of people and use those identity politics to justify stealing your money. And they steal your money every fucking day. They steal your money every fucking day. And it, it's because black people need the money or single black mothers need the money or black children without families need the money at risk. Uh, and then it'll be, uh, you know, well, 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 you know, don't forget about Jewish kids and Jewish families. And don't forget about what happened during the Holocaust. And then it's don't forget about what happened to the Native Americans. And then it's don't forget what happened in Japan or don't forget what happened in Vietnam or or, or don't forget what happened there in, in Mexico or what's happening there in Central America and so on and so forth. And I'm not saying that we should be blind and have and have, uh, you know, our, our, our minds and our hearts closed to other people's struggles. But what I am saying is what I am saying is you are already paying reparations to the entire world. When the military industrial complex goes behind closed doors, goes behind closed doors and has conversations and cuts deals with politicians like Amy Klobuchar to send hundreds of billions and trillions of your dollars, your tax dollars, and your your children's uh, citizenship, the value of their citizenship, the, the equity in their citizenship to another country to defend their border. You're paying reparations. You don't get it. See, and, and you think reparations just means I'm going to give a dollar directly to a black person because of slavery. No, reparations is the entire narrative that you should have to pay more money to a government you can't trust to protect a certain group of people from the evil history that, bef that, that, that befell them in some time in the distant past. That's all reparations. The entire welfare state is reparations, and you're going to keep paying that? Why would you want to, why would we as the American, I mean, we got to get clear about this shit as a movement. And I see, I know that you've been psyoped and brainwashed by the Fox News neocons and the Sean Hannity's of the fucking world, because this simple logic seems to be lost on many of you. As soon as I said reparations, I said it a long time ago on the podcast, but now it's even more clear. As long as they give you a boogeyman, they can steal your money. They can justify stealing your money. And you may even, you may even complain. You may even protest. You may even whine about it. You may even, you may even admit that you don't agree with the policy or the spend expenditures. But you won't reject it. You won't say no. See? You won't say no. Absolutely not. And I don't mean say no and then get hauled off to jail because you failed to pay or whatever the case may be. I mean just saying no that you won't put up with the Amy Klobuchar's anymore. See, there's something about the whole propaganda narrative here that that has a circle in the wagons where, where Republicans who talk about low taxes and low regulations still end up voting for uh, an Amy Klobuchar who believes in high taxes and high regulations. I mean, the whole thing starts to feel like a scam because it is a scam. And see, let, let's let's break it down fundamentally, because I'm the hatchet man. I'm 
I'm, I'm gonna get a, a a hatchet handmade for the podcast as a as a uh, a piece of memorabilia, but but a, a physical prop to take out when I'm about to do some hatchet work because it's, it's coming right now. You are already paying reparations. Why would we, the people, the America First movement, want to pay reparations in the form of welfare or any other social programs through the federal government? Why would we want to pay uh, this this identity politics fee in perpetuity? rather than one time. And even more importantly, and this is probably the the key, why would we want to pay to a, a system that all but guarantees the money ends up funneling to our enemies? See, because when we do social programs and we pay the 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 people on welfare and and they go use welfare money or or food stamps or or Wick or whatever it is, and they go to the grocery store and they use that money. They they use those federal dollars, and they, there goes more fiat money. Those federal dollars that get recirculated back to those super corporations, whether it be food or whatever the case may be. When 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 we do that, all we're doing is giving the power back to the same corporatocracy that's stealing your rights. See, instead. We should give people one-time payments and tell them that your American citizenship, that your American dream relies on you owning land and defending that land, defending the ownership and defending its physical border. The same way we want to do this country, the same thing we've lost in this country. We've lost the idea that we are a nation of shopkeepers. Why? Because everybody's iPhone does so much. Because everybody's alarm system at home does so much. Because everybody's technology provides so much. We have lost what it means to be American. And we spend more time bickering than we do actually pinpointing the places that, and policy that we could, we could inject a certain, certain change of, of of, of mind, a change of view on the thing, and we could turn this thing around. And I just saw a stat that said that here in Minnesota, uh, black people account for 6% of the population in the state, but we, we are um, 72% of, of uh, I think it was violent crime, maybe it was gun violence, maybe it's homicides, I'm not sure. One of, one of those statistics. Either way, any three of them, bad, bad statistics. And then I heard people say, or I saw people say, first of all, you're you not even supposed to be able to say that. Supposedly, th those stats are racist. I'm black. Black, completely out of control in the state of Minnesota, obviously. And it's not all black people. It's the black people who are committing crime. But it's a sizable majority in the cohort of people who are, who are doing crime. Worth, worth noting. And people come back with a very reasonable response and say, well, population density that the, where they live is, is densely populated. So, of course, you're going to have a, a higher propensity or opportunity for there to be uh, interactions with, with people and, and thus violence, potentially. Okay, if you have a culture that has no sacred honor, if you have a culture that has no faith, that has no spiritual boundaries, then yes, yeah, of course. If you have a culture that has spiritual boundaries and borders and, 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 and sacred honor and faith, then you could stick as many people next to one another as, as, as you want 
and and there's these people are going to show restraint and self control. We don't show that, not by accident. That's not even my point. My point is, let's talk politics. Let's talk strategy. How are we going to get black people out of these inner city Democrat run sort of uh, infested Marxist identity politic uh, 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 hell holes? How do we get them out of there? Honestly, see, because I know some of you out there think the hell with them, but but those are the same people they're going to use to steal the next fucking election. So if you're going to say this, it's like a it's like a basketball player that doesn't want to put extra time in shooting the ball. And then when they lose the game on a game winning shot, they want to cry. <laughs> fuck you. You know, fuck, fuck off. You know, I'm not saying you personally. I'm saying that hypothetical player. But it it, it, it goes for everybody. You get the results from from what you put in. And so if you're that basketball player that 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 doesn't work on on your game, that doesn't spend that extra time, that doesn't have that that slight obsession on on doing it the right way and getting it right and and having your at the highest percentage possible. Remember now, that doesn't mean you have to be 100 percent. The greatest shooters of all time in the game of basketball were only up around 50 percent, which means out of every two shots they missed, they they shot, they missed one. It's a coin toss. Well, a coin toss is 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 as good as we can get it right now when it comes to shooting. Maybe in the future there'll be some 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 new method or or, or technique fundamental to shooting that that increases that. I'm sure there will be. Um, but for right now, that's about as good as it gets. Partly because there's other players out there, and and the way you shoot doesn't always depend on on you uh, individually. There's a million things that could be happening in a game at a, at, at a given time, uh, even down to the to the distance that a defender is from you can change in a, in a sort of micro distance. So that that contributes to why 50 percent is, is damn good. I mean, if you shoot in the high 30s from three point range in the NBA, you're a damn good three point shooter. My point is, if you're a player who doesn't try and, 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 and put the time in to get yourself to that level. And then you have the audacity, you have the temerity to put on some fucking theatrical act like you're so disappointed in the outcome when you miss a shot, when the game is on the line or the season's on the line or 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 whatever the case may be is on the line, your opportunity individually, when you're a player, you're an asshole. You're an asshole to yourself. You're an asshole to the people who committed time to your your sports and your development. You're an asshole to the fans. You're an asshole to the organization that pays you money. You're a fucking asshole because you're lying to yourself and you want to put the theater on like you're like, like, like an Amy Klobuchar. Really, it's the same thing. Oh, I don't know why, you know, I feel so bad that that three officers, uh, that two officers got shot in Burnsville and a paramedic, three, three officers and a paramedic, two died, one injured. I'm so, I'm so heartbroken, right? Joe Biden, I'm so heartbroken. You know, when we lose troops, no, you're not. No, you're not. But but it's the conservative movement, too. Oh, we're we're so, uh, you know, we're so saddened that that the country is in the state that it's in. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're not sad. You're not. You're not heartbroken. Because if you were, if you really cared the way you said, then, then you'd you'd put the energy in to make the changes and, and find the answers to the the problems that are in front of us. And we don't do that. Our leaders don't do that, but but subsequently, 
We as the, we the people, we don't do that. Too much convenience. And so my point again is, just talking about reparations. Look, I don't give a fuck one way or another. I really don't. It's not, a, not the hill I'm going to die on. But I do understand the lack of logic in this. See, we fail to realize that no matter what you want to call it, no matter what word games they play from Fox News to CNN and back again, no matter what word games they play, you're already paying reparations. Now, the Democrats will say in response, oh, that's not reparations, but but yet they they use it on the Senate floor and on the congressional floor. They they justify it from with, with the same narratives that they use to, to say they want reparations. But my question to you is, how are we going to get those black people that they're going to use to justify rigged elections out of these densely populated inner city metropolitan areas? You think they're just one day going to wake up and go, oh, yeah. oh, oh, yeah, 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 we're out of here. No, that, that's not going to happen. That's not how it's going to work. Now, a Donald Trump may, 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 may spark a movement with, with, with certain political, cultural, philosophical uh, viewpoints that, that start to have certain African-American black people think, hey, why the fuck am I living in a war-torn, I'm going to go get a job out there at the same Walmart because, I mean, whether you're in the inner city or you live in the suburbs or you live out in the fucking sticks, there's always a Walmart. So, I mean, if you're going to work at a Walmart and receive the same amount of pay, no matter where it's located, why work at the Walmart and live in the city where you could get shot by a stray bullet on your lunch break? I mean, that doesn't seem to make much sense. So get the fuck out of there. Okay, some of that will happen, but you'd be surprised how you come accustomed to the environment that you live in. And that's all of us. That's people who live in, 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 in areas where there's a lot of crime or violence. That's people who live in a country where there's a lot of political corruption. We become accustomed to the place where we live. And so my point is, wouldn't a viable strategy be, well, well think of it, let's ponder this for a moment. Wouldn't a viable strategy be, hey, I know, we are going to strategically, systematically, as a movement, as the America First movement, work together to, to, to provide opportunities for people to have land that they actually own, that they keep up, that they take care of, away from these blue districts, so that they can come and live here, and then they, they can start to go to schools where we can then again teach them about, oh, wait, I'm, oh, wait, I'm getting ahead of myself. Oh, wait, the, the, the education that's given to the, the, the students in the public school is, is, is governed by the entire state's educational board. So I don't give a fuck if you live in an inner city school or if you live in a, in a rural community, your curriculum is still governed by the same grandiose federal government. Oh, okay. So, so who's really to blame here? See, see we got to get down to the, 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 to the bone. We got to get down to the nitty gritty of it. Okay, what are, the, what are the questions? What are the problems? What are the questions? What are the answers? What are the solutions? And all I'm saying is you are right now as we're headed, you are going to play reparations in perpetuity until the country is completely bankrupt. And in fact, they're going to expand reparations to every single person who has a drop more melanin than your average Joe Schmo 
in the world. They're going to let them come into the country. See, you don't see it yet. I see it with clear eyes. Right now, they're, they're sparking a global race war. America's subtle, uh, you know, kind of constraint race war is going to be expanded to a global race war. And that's why they, they're, they're not having a, an argument about the, the blacks and the whites or the, the colonialism of, of, of Northern, Northern Africa migrating to, to Europe and, and vice versa. And, and now the Chinese were oppressed, too, and, and we didn't give them the opportunity to have a, 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 you know, a, a modern society. And so now that's why we should, we should dump our pollution over in China and let them get away with all the EPA violations we say that we're beholden to in the globalist new world order of climate change. Oh, fuck you people. It's going to become a global race narrative. And they're going to flood colored people into the country and they're going to use colonialism to justify why you need to pay more tax money for the social programs that take care of these people. And you're doing it. That's why the illegal immigrants who come from Ecuador or they come from uh, Eritrea get the same fucking money from you in perpetuity. Very, very key that you understand the difference between a one-time payment and in perpetuity. Very, very key that you understand the fucking difference. Anybody doesn't tell you the difference, I wonder what their deal, I wonder what game they're playing. Is it, would you rather pay one time or would you rather pay unlimited in and of forever? It's not even a question. A one-time payment. Especially if the one-time payment is going to be much cheaper than paying it for five generations. Now, what's that one-time payment? What's that number? What's that? All of that's to be discussed. That's the debate that should be had. What actually, what, what actually changes things? Well, see... The way that you endear a man to his country is you give him a piece of it. That's the way that European settlers were given a sense of identity in this thing called America in the beginning. They had a piece of the country. They gave them a piece of the land. And if you give a man a piece of the land, he thinks to himself, well, fuck the British Empire and the queen or the king. Fuck him. I got a piece of land here. I didn't have a piece of land there. All I had there was fucking, you know, uh, uh, shit work for low pay and, and a bowl of porridge and, and a, a wife who's, you know, upset because we live in poverty and kids who who have to work, too, because we, we, we you know, we got to work the factory and, and the shit sucks. I have nothing there here. I got the right to speak my mind. I got the right to bear arms. I got a little piece of land. I, I have a, a, a thriving new economy that I can participate in and, and try and get a decent day's wage. Fuck the throne. Fuck the crown. I'm out. I, this is America. And, and see, there was something beautiful in that, strategic in that. It solved a lot of problems all at once, didn't it? You think we could do it again? You think maybe we need to do it again here in America? We need to decolonize from the, the corrupt political elite of the D.C. swamp and all of their corporate all of their corporate puppet masters? You think we need to maybe try and think about how that happens again? If if we get back in office, I mean, that, and that's a huge if. But if we do, don't we have the winning pick? Don't we? See, I start to feel like 
if you if you know that you have the winning strategy, if you know you have the truth on your side and that God is going to reward the truth, and then you don't go out and minister the truth or you don't apply the truth in your political strategies, I start to think, ooh, maybe you're in on it. Maybe you're actually working with the enemy. Maybe you are the enemy. And then, you know, if it doesn't apply to you, it doesn't apply. Okay? But if it does, take a strong look in the mirror. And if you're actually the enemy in covert, well, then, I mean, fuck you anyway. I mean, we're enemies. That's just what it is. Is there something we could do? Is there something strategic we could do to say, you know what? We're going to shut down welfare. We don't want to do the welfare thing anymore. We don't want to have welfare in perpetuity. Why? Because all it does is guarantee. It guarantees that some sizable yet unquantifiable portion of the American people will be subject to Democrat plantation politics. Am I lying? Am I lying? Isn't that how it works? And see, I don't care how you feel about how it works. Ben Shapiro. I don't care how you feel about how it works, Sean Hannity or any of you other conservative motherfuckers. Because remember, facts don't care about your feelings. See, the fact remains that that if we don't do something, we are going to continue to watch a federal government expand into an unstoppable force, a, a, a great leviathan that will suck the blood out of this country until there is nothing left. That is the reality. So we need creative people. We need ambitious people. We need people who are, who are open-minded. We need people who are genuinely interested in a solution. We need people who aren't beholden to the, the handshakes that were done 30 years ago behind closed doors, like Klobuchar, who's, whose dad was a fixture of the fucking neocon, neoliberal machine which is why the Star Tribune and all the other local Minnesota media outlets come down from on high to, to, to prop her up and exalt her as this, this brilliant political figure. And they won't even acknowledge the young black man who they know is a lot more competent and a lot more genuine. That's the state of our country. It's not just them, it's us. It's us, and it first has to start with this movement, this team. Just like in basketball, we say, this possession, we got to get this stop right here, right now. Right th this stop. Don't worry about the next 10 stops. Don't worry about the next 10 possessions. It's this possession. And then when you get even deeper, it's this closeout. Some of you listening, you're like, what the fuck is a closeout? A closeout was when a guy gets the ball on offense, I'm on defense, and I have to close out to him, right? I have to, I have to run to him. When I run to him, that's called a closeout. I can't run past him. I can't run on the side of him. I can't run and do a 360 in the air. I got to run out at him with my hands up, discourage the shot, and be ready to drop and go. But see, there's a lot of nuance that goes into sports that people watch, they don't even really realize. But there's a lot of correlation to life. A lot of correlation to life. I have to be genuine in my search for a solution. If I'm not genuine, there's no chance it's going to happen in, in our movement right now. We have to deal with this moment right now. All that, all this, this moment. In this moment, we have to deal with things the way that they are. 
And the way that things are right now is that black people are being used to justify rigged elections. They're being used to undermine the value of citizenship. They're being used to perpetuate an open border sort of uh, global citizenship, globalist agenda. That's the reality. And they're using the history, in many cases, a true yet not genuine use of a history that had a lot of racism. They're using that. And they're going to keep using it. Amy Klobuchar is going to keep using it. Ilhan Omar is going to keep using it. Joe Biden is going to keep using it. Joanne Reed is going to keep using it. Joanne Reed is going to keep coming on, on television and talking about reparations with a white woman's wig on. I mean, this is getting absurd. Aren't you sick of it? Aren't you ready to stop this tit for tat and really outthink your opponents? See, because I got a vision that would draw black people out of the inner cities like an exodus. Like when Moses was given the, 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 the word from God to bring the Hebrew people out of the Egyptian captivity, out of the, the Egypt captivity. I have a vision like that. And now you can say, oh, well, no matter where you take black people and drop black people, there's going to be they, they're, they're going to do the same thing. Well. Well, hey, guess what? That's part of the journey, too. Moses brought the, the Hebrews out of captivity. God, being the all-powerful and all-knowing God, had Moses circle and walk in the desert until most of the generations of the Hebrew people had died off because many of them questioned the Exodus when they didn't immediately uh they didn't immediate they weren't immediately granted access to the promised land. Many of them said, let's go back to Egypt. Moses was, Moses was wrong. This, this desert shit, the Sinai is shit. We don't want to be here. Now, fuck this. We, we, let, we should turn back and go back to Egypt. At least, we had, at least we had in Egypt. Now we don't have shit. And it was such a cowardly, it was such a, coward, a cowardice that, that God made sure that only a few, a handful, Two, I think, to be exact, uh, you know, of the Hebrew people uh, after the Exodus even saw the promised land. Moses never even saw the promised land. See, you see what I'm I don't know if you understand what I'm getting at, but but it's the same thing. I tell the black bourgeoisie, the black folks in America, I tell them the same thing. You don't have that courage to walk into the unknown. And, and, the, and, and, and that lack of faith, when I say that in order to have freedom, you have to have self-governance. But in order to have self-governance, government you have to have faith in sacred honor. See, that lack of faith will stop you from walking into the unknown. But God wants you to walk into the unknown. That's part of having faith. That was part of leaving Egypt for the desert. And because they questioned God, they second-guessed, they doubted him, and they had the, the inkling to go back to captivity, to go back to Egypt, to be enslaved. They would rather have been slaves than be free. God saw, too, that, that only the ones who didn't remember what Egypt was like made it into the promised land, so that type of cowardice didn't heed my warning. <laughs> because the same thing that goes for the black folks on the Democrat plantation that aren't willing to walk out into the wilderness is the same thing that goes for the conservative movement that's not willing to walk out into the wilderness. We're all going to be the victim of the same judgment.
for the same lack of faith. And that's why Christianity is the great unifier. Christianity supersedes physical appearance and race. Christianity supersedes the history of our rivalry or, or, or violence or, or oppression. Christianity supersedes the physical. It's the metaphysical. And we better find that faith and sacred honor now. And we better apply that open mind and that open heart to all of these political strategies we're trying to, trying to put into motion. Because if we don't, Satan will capitalize on that spiritual pride. And he'll laugh and he'll mock us. And he'll, oh, you thought you were smart, didn't you? You weren't smart. You weren't even genuine enough to be, you're not even genuine enough to be smart. You think you're smart. Satan laughs when, when we think we're smarter than Christ, when we think we're smarter than, than the apostles, when we think we're smarter than, than God. Satan laughs. He knows. He's looking like, oh, Wow, I've been fighting. I've been fighting a, power, a, a, a war of powers and principalities for, for many an eon. And, and, and this this individual right here has been alive for thirty two years. I use myself as an example. You think you're smarter than God? You think you're smarter than Christ? <laughs> I'm gonna use you. I'm gonna use you like a can of paint. It's gonna be easy. You're thinking in this window. I'm thinking in that window. In this window. You, the American people, will continue to pay reparations by another name in perpetuity, and they'll continue to steal your elections and your vote from you to take your rights and more of your money from you through that narrative. And all I'm saying is, what can be done? What can be done? What can be done when a young black kid, and I'm going to show the video on Wednesday, and we're going to wrap up here. A young black kid with a baseball bat and a, and a bag and a glove goes to the local recreation center where he usually practices his baseball only to find out that it's closed because the facility has now been commandeered, has, has been taken over by eminent domain through eminent domain to house illegal immigrants. What can be done? The young man, a young man who, who, who has the opportunity to, to understand what it means to be committed and disciplined and hardworking and show up on time. Can't even do that now because they're making you fucking pay reparations and, and, and they're going to call it a different name. They're going to call it a humanitarian crisis. And the Amy Klobuchar's are at the front of the bus. They're at the front of the line. They're at the front of the line with a big smile and a big sign on their chest that reads, vote for me, I'll fight for you. But they got a little note crumpled up in their pocket, a little, little ball of paper. And, and, and if you took it out of their pocket and you, 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 you unwrapped it and, and, and you, you saw what it said, it'd say, fuck all these people, I'm just doing this to get rich. That's what they really think of you. The question is, what do you really think of you? See, because I think highly of you, and I may think more highly of you than you do, and that's a problem. But understand, although you may not like the way that I talk on this podcast because it's challenging to the viewer, understand that I actually think highly of you. 
And see, there's a correlation there with sports as well. A lot of people in this new era, a lot of players, they can't handle when the coach yells at them or when the coach criticizes them or, or challenges them. And that's a sign of a weak and, and, and sort of self-absorbed, soft person, player. Because the real problem is when your coach tells you you're doing well, you're doing fine, and you know you're not. Or when the coach doesn't talk to you at all, the coach doesn't doesn't criticize you, doesn't talk to you, doesn't doesn't redirect you or challenge you at all. That's when you know you're in some shit. And 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 as a corollary, the Democrat Party does nothing but pat people on the back. Isn't it funny how it how it ties together? I mean, I'm not I'm doing. There's no notes here. There's no notes here. This is this is me. This is actually me. This this is they call it stream of consciousness. Oh, you need to be more focused. Your podcast needs to be more focused all over the place. No, no. I think in real time so you can start to understand who I am and trust that when I'm talking to you, it's as genuine as it gets. But even more importantly, to demonstrate and, and exemplify how you can think more honestly in your life. In real time, this ain't manufactured. This ain't staged. I don't got anything here but a phone, a remote for the timer, the mouse, my, my little on-air sign. And, and, and my stream deck here to be able to switch camera angles, which I haven't done once because I'm that focused on the fucking message. The correlation between the Democrat Party and them patting every fucking person they encounter on the head and telling them how good they are, how much they care, how much they love them, only to turn around and stab them in the back. And the good coach that, that actually criticizes the, the player, actually challenges the player to be a better version of themselves. That's me and Amy Klobuchar. That's the difference between a politician that actually believes in you, thinks highly of you, and wants to represent you, and a politician that's just using you and all of the lack of information you may have to forward their own agenda, for their own expediency, for their own convenience, for their own success, which is why they will tell you things that they know will result in your failure. Like voting for a man who is clearly, clearly suffering from severe cognitive decline, and she will go right on national television. Amy Klobuchar will go right on national fucking television and tell you there's nothing wrong, nothing to see here, people. This has been another episode of Please Call Me Crazy. Brought to you by Free People Radio and powered by our favorite sponsor, TireGit.com. That's TireGit.com. You have to buy tires from somebody. You might as well buy them from us. Help us fund the movement. Help support the movement. We believe in the freedom of movement, and that's exactly what the establishment wants to take from you now. I'm your host, Royce White. I'm here in the belly of the beast, Minneapolis, Minnesota. We appreciate your viewership and listenership today and in the future. Uh, go to freepeopleradio.com to find out where to watch and listen to the podcast, which we'll have to exp expand and we'll have to add the, the Royce White show to as well so, so you can get the full scope of, of where to go and listen to the content on, on a weekly basis. Um, you can visit our store, freepeopleradio.store. Um, I know there were a few people out there who didn't receive orders. We have a third-party drop shipping uh, partner service. Uh, so, so some of that may happen. We got to do a better job of keeping up. But I think there's only two orders that we may have missed and something may have went 
been sold out or a certain style or color or whatever the case may be, we'll we'll keep making sure that we're working on that and, and getting your orders to you. Um, RoyceWhite.us for the Senate site, the Senate campaign. And don't forget to listen to tune in uh, to uh, the Royce White radio show on the John Frederick's Radio Network Monday through Friday at 9 p.m. Eastern, as well as Real America's Voice for the Royce White show at 9 a.m. Eastern on Saturday morning. We'll see you again on Wednesday, right here at 9 p.m. Central for Please Call Me Crazy. Um, I might be one of the hardest working men in show business now. Never thought I would be, but but I'm happy to be here and I'm happy to share uh, my thoughts with you all. And I'm, and I'm very appreciative and thankful for everybody in the audience, people who have been subscribed since the beginning of the podcast. We're not slowing down. We're not stopping. We're only picking up speed. Uh, we're only picking up audience members. Uh, just from the two weekends on Real America's Voice, I can't tell you how many people we've, we've uh, been contacted by who say, never heard of you until today. What that tells me, what that should tell you is the establishment is doing a very good job trying to, trying to cloak and shield the American public from people like me, genuine people. But their time is, their time is almost up. Their time is up. They're crumbling. Their lies can't, their, their lies are unsustainable. They want to talk about sustainability. The, the, the most unsustainable thing today in our entire global culture, in our entire global society, are the lies that this establishment and their elites have told the common working man. Those lies are as unsustainable as any energy source in human civilization. The lies, because there is no real separation between the physical and the spiritual. Thank you for being here for another evening. The fight continues. Don't die a jerk off. And as always, Godspeed.